Hello, and welcome to episode 139 of Relics of Ore, the expansion confirmed episode. Can I get a woohoo? Woohoo! Yeah, it wasn't very loud, but you know, we don't want to shout and wake up our friends and roommates. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> joining me today on a slightly larger than normal podcast, uh, we have Spirit, Evie, Shongaku, and Vrabin. So we're returning with the old school cast member here. Um, I'm not up? even gonna. I'm not even gonna ask how any of you are doing because, frankly, nobody cares, and we have a lot to talk about. So, uh, yeah, woo, Pax panel. Go. That was pretty exciting. That was pretty exciting. Did you guys feel the hype? I did. I am on the hype train. Choo-choo. I stumbled to the hype train at 5.20 in the morning and then was dragged along behind it that eventually boarded. Yeah, no, it was good. I don't even know where to start. Like, there's literally so much stuff to talk about with this panel that I feel like all of our brains are exploding and we don't even have... Like, we, we just... We don't even have a good framework. Okay, uh, before the panel even started, there was new music. I, I'm pretty sure no one else noticed that, like... No, no, no. In, intently and intimately or whatever, but there's, like, absolutely new music. Even yeah, before they, they announced the expansion. They remastered the Guild Wars 2 theme, and then there was also new... new stuff. Christian said, uh, an expansion's worth of new music. <laughs> So I guess let's just start with the cinematic. How did you guys? What did you guys think of that cinematic? I mean, I know that wasn't the first thing that happened, because like you know we had Mo come out and talk, but or did I get my order wrong? Did we see that that cinematic no, first? No, it was he was after it, I do believe. Or well, no, because it was Jennifer Hale, then the then the cinematic, then uh, then Mike O'Brien came out. The, yeah, then then Mo and uh, Colin. Yeah, yeah. So cinematic. Oh, I mean, that was awesome, right, guys? Yeah, that was yeah. pretty sweet. The uh, There were just a lot of really different... I mean, the things that we were kind of looking for in the expansion with that cinematic was sort of... It was cool to, like, mine that thing as you're watching it and then oh watch it again later because mm-hmm. there's a lot of sort of hints of what's coming. I mean, who's? I mean, can you guys can you guys even imagine waiting to watch that the wooden potatoes detailed like second by second analysis that he always does on that? Yeah, I'm half tempted to do one myself because it is a really just packed full trailer with what looks like potentially a new dungeon, uh, the specializations that we're going to be talking about here, new weapons, for the, yeah, new weapons for each class, and the what, new race, yeah. looking thing. The new class. Yeah, the new class was in there. Yeah, that was a really areas. good just sort of preview. Yeah, it was a pretty it was a pretty solid preview trailer. It's a hype trailer. Like oh, yeah. to the extreme. Yeah, true, to the true. extreme. <laughs> Robin, did anything stick out at you uh during this trailer in particular? No, it's just a lot of stuff that I think we've all been expecting and speculating about, really. Mm-hmm. Was there anything specifically exciting in it for you? Like I mean, everybody's excited, but to be honest, I think the, the the no release date has put a damper on all of my excitement. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, it, there's uh, there's definitely some things that um, weren't said, as it were, that uh, you know, sort of can speak just as loudly as things that were said. But um, I think we'll 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 focus on that in a little bit. But uh, what do you guys think of gliding? I was not expecting that. 
flying mounts confirmed? Yeah, no, that wasn't something I... It speaks to their realization that players do enjoy um, different types of movement abilities, and also their willingness to explore different kinds of maps. One of the things they said is, this is a more vertical map than you've ever experienced, and you kind of get that feeling in the in right in the beginning of the trailer when Riddler kicks open the door, and just it, you plunge down this waterfall into this giant open area, and I think... And there's a lot of a, levels to that. Yeah. They so have I multiple think it's, it's going to be great. I'm really looking forward to it, and I think the the hang gliders will help fix this problem of, especially if you get them traded, because there's there's masteries now too, which again we'll go into in a little bit. Um, you'll be able to navigate up and down the map a lot easier, uh, which makes it not so prohibitive to have an up and down map because that's always a problem. It's really easy to get down but not up. So. I think that'll make it a lot more accessible and a much more interesting map type. Yeah, I mean, from the sounds of it, it sounds like they're sort of going, like, these maps might actually, in fact, be closer to three maps layered all on top of each other, but all in one contiguous giant zone. Yeah. Which is a little bit of what we saw with uh, Silver Waste, with the jumping puzzle that spiraled the entire map up and down everywhere, which was really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, oh, and also, um, uh, oh my gosh, I can't think of what it's called, uh, Kite City, um... Labyrinthing Zephyrite. Yeah, the Zephyrite Cliffs. Yeah, Labyrinthing Cliffs, the Zephyrite Sanctum. Uh, Yeah, I mean, you climb all the way up that thing and up and up and up, and it's all one giant contiguous zone. You know, but there's very clearly sort of a low, middle, and high. Yeah. But each of those, the interesting thing is, each of those were fairly small in and of themselves, but they made a, a large feeling zone. This will be interesting because it looks like each of those is going to be, like, one of the Guild Wars zones in size. So that could be pretty crazy, considering how big those might feel as a result. Which makes me wonder if they manage to figure out a way to make their maps actually bigger and, like, put more stuff in it. Because that was a problem they had in the world. world. Mm -hmm. They've been pushing that boundary a lot. I mean, Edge of the Mist is really big, too, Mm -hmm. in terms of actual, like... Zone size, if not, even though not quite, like, standable size, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. Also, can you guys imagine kick-ass uh, gem store skins for your kites? Yes, <laughs> they guys, already have yes. one on the front page of, on the Heart of Thorns website. It looks like a, like a paper airplane with red swirls on it. I already want that one. The interesting thing, I, I find that really interesting. That was something... Gliders are a huge part of Arc Age, which just came out, and it really was interesting because it allows you to do flying mounts, which gives you sort of that same feel of flying mounts and that without necessarily having the problem that World of Warcraft had, where once they released flying mounts, you never saw anyone on the ground anymore. Everyone was always just flying, and they dropped down to do their quest, and then they disappear back into the air. Gliders force you to eventually get back on the ground. Well, and yeah, that's that's what I was going to say about the distinction between flying mounts and gliders is that, you know, flying mounts, sort of by their definition, you can pick up anywhere and fly anywhere or largely, whereas gliders, you have to start high and only can go so far. Um, so it's not, yeah, it's it's not quite flying mounts in, in the way that flying mounts are flying mounts. It also, you know, if these upshots of wind... Um, really say very much it would be that there's probably only certain trajectories where you can ascend even though you may be able to descend in large arcs 
So, as someone who loves just exploring zones and like scraping along edges and stuff, I think this is going to be a very interesting new thing to see. Do you think it'll be accessible only in the in the jungle though? I have a I, feeling that it will be. Yeah. I think that regardless of whether or not it's accessible only in the jungle, that it definitely won't be accessible in World v. World. I kind of hope that it is. <laughs> Can you imagine the, the changes map? in tactics? I... Maybe in the new map. I can, Maybe. I can see It'll that make being... powers more important. Dude, how crazy would that be to see a zerg of people flying, like, hang gliding towards your keep? That would be pretty <laughs> awesome. <laughs> it's it's cool, but I worry about the tactical ramifications, since you can't really shoot up. Yeah, they uh, would true. have to have something that would be a counter to gliders. Anti-aircraft like sort of siege. Yes. And just make uh, anti-air missiles and stuff. Uh, yeah, I guess. I don't know. I I don't think I don't think they want to put that in a PvP environment. Maybe that's just me. I agree, but I mean, if they really wanted to, they could. Well, sure. Um. Did also did you guys notice that the second time they show the trailer, it had little like text blurbs of like. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought yeah. that was kind of funny that they that they had those separate. Well, there's a lot you can take from that text, like. Just an example, new allies pops up with that new, like, model thing that might be Mursat or might not. Mm-hmm. It was kind of weird that the Mursat-ish things, or the creatures that we all thought were Mursat from the trailer, were energy um, yeah. from the Heart of Thorn story. These ones were energy creatures, which I thought was, well, the Mursat were physical last time we saw them. Has something changed with uh, Lazarus, what's-his-face? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, it might not be Mursat. I mean, right. I mean, that's, so that's an interesting thing. Well, I mean, who, they have to be. They have to be related somehow. The appearance is too coincidental, I think, for them not to be. Yeah, I kind of tend to agree with that at the very least. But they could be some sort of offshot or evolution or something like that. Mm-hmm. Or a bunch of Jin wandered into Mursat ruins and put on their armor, and so playable Jin confirmed. Do you realize you that go. that is the most Eric sentence ever? Like, oh, maybe Mursat and Jin had something, something, and then now there's Mursat Jin. Playable. And there was a hat. necromancer, and then uh, they they kept hamsters. Hamster houses confirmed. Necro hamsters. <laughs> Wieldable hamster weapons for necromancers. No, it's a short bow that shoots undead hamsters. Oh my goodness! Ready, I Eric? need this. I'm ready. Oh my god. Um. You were saying something about not wanting to get off track and hyper-speculate, though? Yeah, no, I mean, uh, it's, it's gonna no, happen. No, I was just being Eric. <laughs> I apologize. No, it's, I, I mean, it's unavoidable. There's too many systems, and they're, they're so intertwining. Um, I guess I just want to say, before we forget about it, because there's really not much to talk about about this, other than the fact to say thank you that there's no level or gear increase. Oh, God, yes. I think that, that was a big elephant nice. in the room for a lot of people before they announced it, like... I don't know, man. Yeah, that was definitely something that we didn't know whether or not they were going to do. I mean, we kind of hoped, but there was definitely not a lot of, you know, I one mean, way or another. It could go either Ascended way. Before Ascended Gear came out, I would have said there's no way they would ever do that. But then Ascended Gear happened, and like, you know, it won't... It sort of shook my, it sort of shook my faith that they wouldn't increase the level cap. Also, there was that interview on Reddit ages ago that I actually bookmarked just for arguing with people that said there would never be a level cap increase where Mike O'Brien actually said, like, 
don't expect that there won't be a level cap increase. This is a traditional MMO in many ways, and like we've always planned on that idea. <laughs> so I'm glad that that's not the case. That makes me really, really well, happy. play Devil's Advocate, I mean, I'm happy with, with the rest of you. Play the Devil's Advocate. What do they mean, though, when they say the mastery system will let your character go beyond 80? There's That, that sounds good, but there's ways that could be cumbersome and annoying. Hopefully it, not. That's what I was thinking as soon as it was announced. Yeah. Because if it's released the same way that traits were redone, I'm not going to be a fan. You know what it sounds like? It sounds like WV Dub Masteries. Which, That's interestingly, what it sounds like to me as well. you were talking about yeah. how they were very specific in their nomenclature of things earlier today, Grybok. Yeah, that was not and a podcast. And since but... they already call WV Dub Masteries Masteries, I would assume that this is a PvE version of that. It- it really sounds to me like a. If you're familiar with the Guild Wars one, I have the North Reputation system. It really sounds like the love child of that and World View World Masteries. Yeah, well, and and account bound. You know, I mean, that's that is something that they learned, I think, from the World View World Masteries, which was that mm-hmm. when they came out as a character bound, like mass endless progression system. It just made people really upset that wanted to play more than one character because you just when you have an effectively infinite progression system, but each character is on it separately, it makes you just go, "Well, I would like it's so much better to have five hundred points than it is to have two sets of two fifty that yeah, it's very hurtful to to alt players. And it's nice when you hit max level then with an alt or whatever level is required to access this. All of a sudden you're like, ooh, I can do these cool new things with my alts. Yeah. I mean, I think the the one definitely saving grace, and again, we don't know any real implementation details, but the saving grace, at least for me, is that, you know, they they went out of their way to mention account-wide progression, um, which, like, again, I'm not necessarily the biggest fan of semi-infinite progression, but at least if it's making all of my characters better by playing it on any of my characters, that's a lot more enjoyable type of a progression system for me than mm-hmm. new levels and gear caps, because those are character-bound. But yeah, and yeah. if they do make something modeled off of the skill um, point system, the uh, the mastery system that was implemented after release, that wouldn't be so bad, because it's the first time us seeing that. If that would have been released you know, at launch before, I don't think we'd have complained about it as much because of the way it was. So at least we, we'll be exploring this new places and getting them that way, if that's what it is. Yeah, I think it's it's really interesting. It's one of those systems. I think this is one of those announcements that um, the the specialization system, as they called it, is one of those announcements that people are really interested in, but also kind of cautious of for sort of what we're talking about. Like we don't we don't really know anything, and progression is always sort of a scary topic, especially in the Guild Wars community. Yeah. So. I think you're right to be, you know, uh, at least skeptical or, or, you know, wary because it, you know, it's who knows. Um, but what I think is interesting is how it ties into specific play styles. They're in PVE where Mm -hmm. there's masteries for exploration and that sort of thing. Um, which I thought was, which I thought was interesting because we all tend to have fairly different play styles, I think on the, us podcast folk. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Like, Evie loves jumping puzzles more than anything else. Wait, what? I'm lying. I think you spelled Eric. I mean, I love jumping puzzles. Oh, right. That's right. But So I'm kind of excited to see that sort of thing grow 
as sort of a, oh, now I have, maybe you can complete the basic jumping puzzle, but then as you get your mastery up, you unlock, like, side paths and secret things. Mm-hmm. One area of caution, definitely, in my mind, is, like, there's a really fine line between these types of progression that can, like, open up really cool new options and having things become gated or required. Or just gated mm-hmm. to one character, one player, if they have opened up new paths on a uh, jumping puzzle and all of a sudden, they're like, hey, look at this. Oh, wait. This other person can't do it because they haven't opened it yet. Right. Well, that's, yeah. Or, like, you know, I'm thinking back to Guild Wars 1 days of, like, Lightbringer and, like, Urson rank um, as, like, really bad examples of, you know, like, rank 10 or bust. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, but things like glider mastery or like hylic lore might be those types of things where you know maybe you need glider mastery to access this cool little tiny hidden away area but it's not like you need glider mastery to play pve you know what i mean um so i hope that they steer away from like statistical advancement which which it sounds like they are the only thing i'm skeptical as far as that goes is how they handle combat mastery. Combat mastery meaning? Because they mentioned that there's going to be, like, skills and stuff, but they were very, like, they didn't really say anything else about it. They just said it was going to happen. Mm, Okay, yeah, sorry. I think I stepped out of the room for a brief second while they were talking about that portion. I'm just catching back up on the notes from Reddit because I... I left during the lore example, and I came back during the uh, collecting, crafting, build example, like, precursors! Um, so, segue, precursor crafting! Yes! Yay. Finally! Oh my goodness. That friggin' 2013 blog post finally coming to resolution. And and the market crash that's happening right now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the market is fluctuating wildly on precursors. Is that mainly because people have been holding on to them and they're just dumping them now, or... Yeah, they're afraid They're afraid that the value will dump as soon as some method of crafting or scavenger hunting or whatever um, comes into the game, so they're trying to sell it now for as much money as they can get out of it. Kind of so like what when... we'll see is it's going to dump right now, but it's probably... If it takes eight months for this thing to come out, that's going to come back up. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, surely. I mean, that's the thing. It's one of those really volatile market spikes. It's kind of like when Lost Shores came out and, like, the prices plummeted. And that was because there was a large supply increase. And then everybody was like, oh my god, there's going to be, it's going to be so much easier to get precursors. I better sell mine while I can. And the prices just plummeted. And then pretty soon they were like, oh, yeah, no, that was a one time thing. Screw that. And then the prices, you know, just flew back up. Um, do you guys think that the crafted or scavenger hunted or however you attain them ones will be account bound? Yes. I think that, that'll be I the way that they keep them out of the market. Because they've already mentioned that when they do introduce it, they want to minimize the impact it'll have on a market. Yeah, I I tend to agree. I think I hope that they will, and I think it would be very smart of them to do that. So you could still buy one if you really wanted to, or you could still Mystic Forge for it if you really wanted to feel lucky, like <clears throat> Spirit. Um, but, uh, you know, yeah, I, I I tend to agree. I think it would be smart of them to give a guaranteed path, but not let it affect the market directly. I mean, it'll still affect the market, because, like, the demand will go down, so... And it'll be interesting to see, because if they do, if it does take a long time to get 
then I you might see demand stay actually where it is because people are like, I don't want to waste all this time doing this. I'm just gonna go buy one. They will affect Especially that accent. Especially because we don't we don't really know what it's going to take to make one. But the advantage to buying one, and especially if it, they become a little bit cheaper and a little bit more reasonable to buy, is that you can earn gold doing virtually anything in this game. So you can really do the content that appeals to you and earn it that way, instead of following whatever guidelines they're going to set out for us in the Masteries. Yeah, I plus, mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but plus there's going to be new new legendaries. That's the, the second part of this announcement, is that the... I, I feel like the old ones are going to be a little bit less prestigious. I mean, they're still legendary, but since they're so common, at least at first, the market's going to be a little bit crazy with precursors in that the new ones are going to be much more desirable than the old ones, I believe. My Do hope... you think the new ones will have uh, new precursors? Yes, oh, they yeah. will. That's, they said they will. That's confirmed already. Yeah. Um, I hope that they try and kind of make if not opposite, at least very different aesthetics for the new legendaries of each type. Like, I would love for mm. the staff to not be all, like, glittery rainbows for those of us who don't necessarily want rainbow <laughs> staffs. Glittery rainbows. Try short, short bow. bow. Yeah, exactly. Like, I want thieves to be able to not shoot rainbow ponies if that's not what they want. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, it's well, a perfect so- opportunity to allow both. One, th- one interesting thing, especially if you're looking at the... Uh... At the gem store and just the items that are available in the first year, year and a half or so of Guild Wars 2, a lot of the items in the gem store were very toyish and very sort of this weird garish, like animated anime sort of thing uh, that infuriated. Looks like what our guild leader said. He's expecting to see a uh, bouncy castle in the middle of Lion's Arch any day now. Right. And so the interesting thing is, is as the story in the game has progressed and as we've sort of played more and more, the stuff on the gem store has gotten progressively more lore, uh, less lore breaking, I suppose would be the best description. I mean, how long has it been since we've seen like a fuzzy quaggan hat or a school backpack or something? Uh, we haven't really seen that recently. Uh, we've seen mostly lore-centric stuff. You could argue maybe the winter outfit and maybe the jungle explorer is a little bit more that, but uh, it is interesting that sort of these legendaries are kind of lore-breaking with, like, the weird unicorn rainbows. It's it's more like an internet mem weapon, and stuff on Guild Wars has become progressively less memish, I suppose, over the last year or so. So I would suspect to see a much more lore-centric uh, legendaries, maybe even legendaries that evoke more Dramoth specifically. I hope they don't do that. I don't want legendaries to be tied to one story chapter or like yeah. once. Yeah, like I hope I hope they don't involve it in the story. I do know what you what you mean though about being like less anachronistic. I believe would be an, a fitting That's term. A good way to that is a good word. It. I approve. Um, yeah, I mean, there's. There's definitely been a, a larger uptick in sales and creation of um, content-appropriate and lore-appropriate skins and all that, um, for the most part, anyway. So, yeah, I, I mean, I just I think it would be great for people that have uh, that that want a short bow or want a uh, pistol or something like that that is not a toy gun, like or a rainbow Basically unicorn a gun. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, there was a very clear, maybe a third of the legendaries seem to be sort of, like, gag weapons rather than, like, the epitome of coolness. So, I think it's a great opportunity for them to sort of include a little bit more stereo, like, archetypes, as it were. Also to buff up some of the aesthetic effects on some of them, because a lot of them have very little in the way of aesthetic impact. Like, the focus is... Eh... I don't even... Oh, the the focus is the minstrel, right? Yeah. Speaking of which, that is totally the uh, secondary class from Mesmer, right? The minstrel? Yeah. Speaking of anachronistic... Yeah, well, I see what you did there. Oh, English. Um, <laughs> anybody Anybody want to speculate on what that's going to be? Are we talking um, about the, the uh, specializations that we now? Saw, yeah. Like the time warp with a purple clock inside of it and all that that was that was going on mm-hmm. yeah come on Rabin, you're a resident mesmer what do you think it is i don't know um i was hoping that i, I think you guys know i've been hoping for a long time that the chronomancer and the mesmer would divide but i'm thinking it's not gonna ever gonna happen they're like together now and they're kind of the same thing and they'll never be called chronomancer they're just mesmer so do you think that they might call this one chronomancer though then it like, could be a chronomancer. actual chronomancer specialization it could be yeah yeah, because, I mean, it sounds like the specializations each have names. Like, the druid is the ranger specialization, and then we yeah. don't know any of the other ones, but... So I'm we gonna know go... that the necromancer's getting greatsword. Yeah, right, which is awesome. Which probably means they're going to be reapers. Which also nailed or it. Or something like that. Reaper seems... Yeah, but that'll be interesting. Also, on another note, it, this is just me, but having a specialization, like, going into a path like that... <laughs> Somewhat implies an option of choice should be there. Right, yeah, so, that's that's one of my main concerns is um at least the way it was phrased in the announcement sounds like there's maybe only one option currently for us. And I don't I don't believe that it'll stay that way. I believe there will be um, you know, more in the future and I hopefully there will be at least two for each class when this launches. Otherwise it'll be because the question is what do you get out of out of specializing and do you do you lose anything from being a ranger so like if you're a ranger and you want to specialize in a druid do you are you giving anything up or is every ranger in the game about to become a druid well they they said he said that whenever you become a druid as a ranger you get like a new professional mechanic or whatever but i'm like what exactly does that mean does that mean that druids won't have pets that the pets will function differently well we saw a ranger we saw the druid in the video with a pet, so they would still have pets, but maybe, yeah, pets might function differently. Yeah, I feel like that's going to be one of those things that, well, two thoughts on this. One of those things that they are going to uh, describe more in detail in the in the weeks and months to come, because they did definitely say that they wanted, like, you know, that they're, they're, they're wetting our appetite, but they're definitely leaving stuff to explain. Um, but also, you know, if nothing else, they did mention several times the idea of building systems and frameworks that they could then further expand upon, um, you know, in, in the future. So, but we have a specialization. I mean, it sounds like something borrowed from D and D, you know, prestige classes where you do have a choice, but then wondering how that choice is going to present itself here, or if there is, is if there is even going to be one is, you know, kind of a head scratcher. Yeah, well, and to bring it into the D&D prestige class thing, you know, sometimes a prestige class isn't necessarily better than the base class, because by being the prestige class, you are not gaining benefits from your core class, which obviously doesn't quite translate here, because we're not going to be, like, leveling up, like, gaining benefits as we level up 
separately, but you can understand the concept. Like, if it changes your mechanics and or restricts things or, you know, things like that, it may mean that by being a specialization, you are the opportunity cost is things that you can't do with that profession anymore. And then what about the new uh, class that's been announced, the Revenant? Is that something that we're going to have to lull from 1? Or are we going to get it at 80? Is it going to start 60? It's going to be from level 1. I assume it's level 1. But But they've also been giving us a ton of tomes and stuff. Yeah, if by level 1 you mean level 50, because I have like 35 tomes of knowledge just from logging in from dailies, and then the 20 scrolls from the birthdays. But a new player would would actually have to level them from 1, they said. Yeah, Yeah, which makes sense to me. I think that's... That's part of the advantage of being a veteran player is you get yeah. to get to that level faster. And if you're a new player, you do kind of have to go through the tutorial. And it, if you are a new player, seriously, just take the time and enjoy the game and, and learn your class as you level. Oh, for uh, sure. Because that, that is so, so important. And it makes the the game experience a whole lot better. So don't, don't be in a rush to get to 80. Yeah, I think most of us... I think most of us would agree, too, that the leveling experience was one of the strongest aspects of the game, at least right, like for your exactly. first time or you know, your first couple times. I mean, once you've done it five, six, seven times, you know, that's a little different and you can't really expect the loving leveling, you know, to be quite as fun your eighth or ninth or 15th time. Full but... disclaimer, full disclaimer, I hate leveling, period. Guild Wars 2 is the only game that I have played that I did not absolutely hate leveling even the first time. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, definitely, to echo what Kate said, like, definitely, if you are new, if you're coming in this weekend on the $10 sale, or if you're planning on picking it up for, you know, when when it launches, when the expansion launches, you know, yeah, definitely don't rush through it. But us veteran players can uh, <laughs> can rush through things if we want. I'm thinking I'll probably jump to level 20 and then play about 20 or 30 levels and then, then tome out the last 30. Nah, son, I'm making my character and it's instantly going to be 80. Let's do this. Yeah. Trial by fire. I have leveled enough characters. By the time, yeah, by the time it comes out, like, even if it comes out in one or two months, I'll have probably gotten enough tomes from daily logins that I'll have. And I agree that the leveling process is important and good and fun, but once you've done it and then you're doing alts, it feels like you cannot reach the full capability of a uh, character until you're in eight, at 80 with proper gear. Mm-hmm. So And I'm have all your to... traits unlocked now. Yeah, mm-hmm. and have your traits unlocked. So, yeah, I'm going to be dropping all my tomes on that class once I get it. Which, by the way, that means we're all going to have to suffer through unlocking all of our traits. We're going to have to have a trait can just hunt buy party. Them. Yeah, it's pretty That's expensive, true. though. Well, currently, the traits are about... If you buy them all, it's only like 100 gold and 100 skill points right around there, isn't it? Yeah. So much money. That's, I was going to say, for some of that's, us, that's more than that's others. That's a lot of money for some people, including I mean, myself. I, have I was going to say, I can afford right it. Now. You have how much? I have eight gold right now. <laughs> Brutal. Yeah, well, I can afford doing it, well. but, but I think it might be worth it, you know, if you don't want to track them down. But then if you're tracking them down in new areas, like we mentioned before, that's cool. Not go having to go back. Because, you know, they were introduced partway through because we've been playing the game for two years. Anyway. Yeah, no, it, yeah, it'll be interesting. I think maybe I'll probably buy some of the lesser traits and then maybe go unlock some of the master and grandmaster traits because it won't be so tedious to go to the higher level zones. Um, but we're now we're getting way afield and going back and we talking are. about existing content. But yeah, the Revenant also totally, you know, an oft-speculated concept that that uh, Ritlock was going to come back uh, as a as a new profession. So, 
I was actually kind of surprised that they weren't that uh, the revenant wasn't the specialization, but I guess it makes sense, being as we've been sort of unbalanced on heavy armor and that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, what would it be a specialization for, Guardian? I was thinking that everyone would get Revenant as sort of their specialization, so there would be one specialization, and each class would do it a little bit differently. Oh. Yeah, I can see that. that is not what is happening, so I'm going to abort that form of thinking. So let's talk about some speculation while we're talking about it. Anybody want to speculate on what other uh, legends we're going to be able to to channel as, as Revenants? Jorah. That makes sense, like, yeah. Boom. Togo? Oh, please, Menlo. Oh, oh my goodness. Togo! <laughs> it's it's uh, an Togo. voice actor. So yes. does, do you just die at the end of each, like, encounter, or...? Nice. Now, did you ever play Togo? Did you ever play the, the one-player instance with the storybooks in Guild Wars on one? Yeah. Togo was hardcore in that instance. But he dies at the end. No, he doesn't. No, he He's doesn't. young. But the, no, no the at end, the end I of mean, Factions, he The dies. spoiler of Togo dies at the end of Factions, yeah. But the thing is, he was already old, so it's, it's an, okay. It's an old joke. <laughs> um, Yeah, those are good speculations. How about villains? Because, I mean, we know that Malik, Malik, Malik's... Oh, Malik's. I think that... Uh, I think Kay is already channeling Shiro. Hmm. Who? Kay, Kay is already channeling Shiro. Remember when she went um, ballistic on those uh, centaurs for... <laughs> For for and not she very didn't good even reasons. have a fortune teller to lead her astray. It's true. I've been actually, playing... I think um, it's funny you mentioned Shiro because when Ridlock does his like little teleport to things and smack them from the mist thing, I thought it was Shiro. So, or it could be who was the assassin character that was on the cover of Factions? Oh, she's oh, one Nika. that killed Nika. Nika. She helped kill Shiro, right? But died in the process. Yeah, so that could be her too. Yeah, both uh, both are very assassiny type characters, but yeah, I I definitely got that assassin vibe off of Ritlock teleporting all around. I wonder. Uh, this just occurred to me that all of the ascended pieces are named after various figures from history. That's true. I wonder if a lot of the skills that the Revenant has will also be named after those. I might give a bit more context. Um, but I don't because we haven't really talked about this, like. I don't understand how it works, and they didn't say a lot, but is the... So are the Legends it's going to be channeling, like, an Ellie kit, and then it's a utility that you, you equip, and then your skills uh, sort of change in context based on what you have, or is it more like uh, an Elementalist attunement where you switch between this and then your, your weapon skills change? Do, do you guys have any thoughts on that? It looked like they were, like, the fire thing, it looked like Ricklock summoned it up and it just, like, breathed fire breathed fire everywhere, so it's... it seemed to me that instead of it being, like, maybe there'll be kit forms of them, but I think more along the lines, it's just, just gonna just be trigger skills. So it's gonna be a fairly straightforward... So maybe, like, four classes, like, you've got these these four spirits that are all somewhat related and they all do a similar... kind of like how the, um... Uh, how do you say? It? Like, um, the each class has their like for thieves. It's tricks, deceptions, signets, whatever. There'll be so you know how they have like yeah. So they have tricks, deceptions, um, signets, and I'm missing one, but who really cares? Because it's thieves. Um, traps. Traps is the fourth one. So there'll be kind of like four groupings of of spirits. Maybe like I don't like this is real general 
probably not right, but like healing ones, uh, fiery ones, like etc. Like they're grouped like that. I, it's it's interesting because usually when there's a new class, it tends to play off of mechanics of past ones and kind of expands and does stuff because expansion. Um, so what I took from this is we're kind of going to get a mix of Engineer and Ellie as far as how to function, where each weapon set basically creates certain legends you can call, and those will function like elemental attunements. They definitely use the word equip. Yeah. So there's there's some method of equipping, it sounds like, either via weapons or utility skills like, uh, you know, like Kate suggested. Um, like, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't I think... be surprised to see them have like, oh, hey, when you have a sword, these are your four attunements, quote, quote, but they're legends. And then a different weapon has four different things and, or whatever. Ah, uh, true. Like daggers gives you Shiro, Nika, and God only knows who else. Or a sword gives you these four. And and polearm gives you another four. <laughs> That's true. No new weapon type announced. That's they that's true. They said that, but, but they were it's all the over that trailer. Were they, or were they just customized-looking regular is ones? Using a polearm pole trailer, which is interesting. So that also raises some interesting questions: of Are they still holding additional stuff back? Even I wouldn't be surprised if they, they were. They said they were telling us everything, but I don't think they did. Well, they said they were telling us about all the major features. Did so is a, pole, new is a new weapon type major? Yeah, that's the thing. Well, the size of the features that they announced, like a new class, a new way of your class, all those things, legendaries with a massive new system for acquiring them, those were all pretty large-scale systems, I guess? Whereas a new weapon type... Yeah, no, that's weird. Yeah, I don't know. Um, man, yeah. So, I mean, do we do we want to, like, talk a little bit about about details that we gleaned from this trailer with regard to things that weren't directly announced. I mean, we sort of touched on the um, the the Mesmer clock sigil thing on the ground. Um, I've got one. There was an engineer with a hammer and there were little helicopter turrets flying around him. I got so excited that I stood up and punched my bed. I don't know why. Well, no, actually I know why. I've built... The Predator and the Juggernaut, uh, both hedging my bets that in the future more than two professions would be able to use both of those, praying and hoping that my engineer would be the one to get the Juggernaut because I like my engineer and he's shiny and I want him to be shinier and I feel like it's going to pay off. I'm really excited. Wasn't there also a, a thief that was using a rifle or a thiefy looking person? Yeah, at 106, there's a there's a Norn in the background who's got the very dark tones that they like to associate with thieves, uh, but we don't actually see him do anything. I mean, so it could be a ranger, it could be an engineer. We really don't know. Yeah, he's literally just holding a rifle, so there, there's no concrete thing that we can draw from that. So do you think that we're going to get more than one weapon, then, for each profession? Because rangers definitely getting staff. They've said that. Uh, which, did you see how they used the staff in that video? That was weird. This, they were shooting magic out of the staff like it was a gun, which it I thought was like, funny. No, it actually looked exactly like the, um, the elementalist where you charge up the lightning bolt and then stab him with it. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. 
I thought that was um, an interesting animation. But I you would think a ranger would use a staff more like uh, the Ninja Turtles would use a staff. That's what well, I would well, think. Like a bow staff? It's yeah, a druid, like a though, at that point. So. It's still a druid you could use a bow staff. I mean... Yeah, I think it's really well. I think it's really interesting if they're going to incorporate, you know, bringing a very magical sounding flair to a f- not super magical class. Um, I think that has interesting implications for other professions. Well, the Rangers are a little things. bit ritualistic. They've always been. That's how their magic has gone: shamanistic, ritualistic. You know, spirits do the magic for them. They don't really cast anything. Right. I mean, I guess that's true. I'm just thinking that, like, currently you could build a spirit summoning build. But otherwise, all of your stuff is like, at least aesthetically, is very like preparation martial. and martial and using your pet and shouts and signets and like a lot of a lot of very martial like naturey <laughs> things. But kind of like you know, I mean, like lightning reflexes and you know, like poison traps and spike traps and you know, very very much like the woodland or woodsman type of of rangering and i mean yeah there are there are the spirits but all of their weapons are all in a physical sense you know like they throw their axes and they stab people with their swords and daggers unlike you know necromancers who i mean necromancers also stab people but they also call down like you know blasts of dark energy with it in their offhand and elementalists do like you know elementally things <laughs> indeed um so i think that's a really interesting idea if they're gonna if they'd be introducing a little bit more of a magical flair to a mostly martial class and perhaps vice versa i mean i know that i would love like a like a sword maybe for elementalists like sort of a dueling you know i i i'm weird i want to see elementalists get bows that'd be cool i think they should get great swords <laughs> Uh, now here's a question: Do we think that any uh, profession gaining a new weapon is going to gain the same weapon as any other profession gaining a new weapon? Like in the case of great swords already being given to necromancers. Oh. I don't see why not. Yes, I think there are a lot of weapon types that are only used on one or two professions. Well, rifle. Okay. If there's only one specialization, then probably not. If there's two, then I would wager that things like rifles, hammers, torches, war horns shield stuff like that that are only used on two or three professions will be a lot more widely used do you think that they will be giving warriors magic type abilities because currently the only weapons that the warrior doesn't have access to that are martial is the short bow and pistol if you want to consider that i mean oh, they have true. rifles yeah that's a good point so they short bow and them, pistol they could give them uh, they can't pistol. use daggers can they warriors oh, can't use daggers that oh, is also okay. correct never mind so, would we give those to warriors, or do you think that that speculation that we're going to see pole arms come in? That might be the reason why there's pole arms, so that there's something to actually give to warriors, which would be kind of sad. But I mean, I'm kind of I'm I'm kind of skeptical about new weapon types being added. I mean, I would love it. Don't get me wrong, but I feel like the impact that that would have on the game. In the sense that if they added a new weapon type like pole arms, they would almost certainly have to give it to more than one class, and especially would have to give it to more than just one specialization of one class. Mm. So, like, I mean, there's no weapon that is on fewer than two classes currently. So you'd at least have to have two or three professions gaining a new weapon, and then well, if they you could had totally get, 
Well, was, they could I, totally give the pull arm to uh, Guardians. Yeah, or the make a Paragon. Well, my my point is more that like so. Just this is sort of a logic chain in my head. It doesn't really mean anything, but say they added a new weapon, pull arm. They give it to three professions because that's sort of an average number. So then, would the other professions feel shafted that they didn't get a new weapon? So then they have to add a second new weapon for the other professions, like say spears or whatever. Um, I just want to point out your inadvertent pun about not getting pull arms and feeling shafted. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, boosh. Um, but, you know, so, like, then then we're talking about, like, a pretty large feature, so, uh, you know, you'd kind of imagine that they might talk about that. I don't know. We're Now we're sort of getting into that category of, of speculating over things that haven't been said, uh, which we can still save for later, because we still have a lot to say about that, I think. But, I don't know, that's just sort of my... I feel like they would have told us that. Yeah, that makes sense. I do love, though, that it's very clear that they've been teasing the lead-in for some of these mechanics through Ritlock and through Marjorie. Like, that's excellent. That's excellent. Even Treherne. That's true, even Treherne. That's true, because he was a necromancer with a greatsword. Well, and the, you know, on points of interest, what was it, last week? When Colin Johansson was on? You know, one of the things he said was, you know, one of the hardest things for them as designers was breadcrumbing in some of these concepts that they knew the answers to but weren't going to be revealed at whenever they put them in and worrying about whether or not they were being too overt and too obvious with some of these things and they were speaking specifically about you know the plant dragon in the dream at the beginning of Silvari character creation and about Malik and about those types of things um so yeah I mean I, I just Again, I just love I love that they put in these hints for people that are really paying close attention um and then reward them by actually having them pay off to things. I just think that's really cool. Mm-hmm. I hope they yeah, I hope they continue that trend of, and especially uh the more subtle ones cuz I think I don't know, my favorite part is is <laughs> this is going to sound awful. My favorite part is when people are wrong and they're like, "Oh, I thought it was this, but it was this. I never saw that coming." And then they're, "Oh, that but that's cool too." It is. Well, I don't know about you guys, but I like being right, so... We know. I like it when we're yeah. right, and we like it when other people are wrong. I like being right, no, but, but I also... Good. Good. I also it's like right. being surprised, because I hate when I'm like, you know, like, ah, this is exactly what happens, and then I'm like, oh, I knew it, because I was paying All attention, day. and that's, that's, that's it. I want to be like, damn, I thought it was this, but then it was this mind-blowing thing that I never saw coming, but it all makes sense because now I can put all the pieces together that I knew about, and yeah, I like that moment for me. I don't always like to be right. I think I think a good mix is fair. Oh, what were you going to say, Robin? No, you nailed it, Spirit. No, I agree with you. Because I mean, you're right. When It's like, oh, I didn't even think it came out of nowhere, but it's so awesome and all the puzzle pieces fit, so yeah. Yeah, it's very different kinds of feelings. Like it's uh, it's definitely really fun to be surprised, and uh, especially when something's a really cool, smart twist on something that you've been predicting, and so it's not quite right. But it also feels really good to feel really smart and observant. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I yeah. think a, a good mix is always good. Um, so let's let's do a complete tangent and talk about guild halls. Oh my okay, goodness, good, because yes! I was going to say that. <laughs> oh my god. I want to know, are they limited to Maguma? That seems kind uh, of the, odd. The art assets the art that they showed are a crazy. Lot of stuff. There There's was like a an, dwarven-looking one. And there was a Utopia-looking one. There was an airship that they showed. 
concept art. So I think it's going to be pretty varied. Yeah, I, I, well, I mean, again, going back to an earlier statement about you know things that they promised a long time ago finally happening. Back at before launch, they prom they said guild halls guild halls aren't going to make it at launch, but we want to add them to the game. And yeah. that was that is now a two and a half year old promise, mm-hmm. and it's it's I mean again it's a little bit sad that we haven't gotten them until now, but it's really great that they announced that. I yeah, it's very. Let's exciting. just hope they don't go the way of the dance studio. The way the what? The dance studio. In WoW, where they keep promising it every expansion, it and was doesn't on happen. the box for Wrath, and it still is not in the game. Probably never will be. Ah, gotcha. Well, I feel um, like if they announce it at this, it's going to happen. Go ahead, yeah. Spirit. I think the most exciting to, thing to me is that it's not just it's not just a a guild hall. It's a a thing we have to work for. A thing we can customize. A thing that uh, they're stating has meaning to our character progression and our guild progression. And I like that we're going to have a guild space that is meaningful in a number of ways, not just as a gathering place. Uh, but is also a gathering place because we needed, we sorely needed one of those, yeah. I think. Um, so I, oh man, I'm so excited for guild halls, you guys. You don't even know. I love my guild. I love guild things. I just am so excited. So what I found interesting is in the video, there is a quick clip that shows buildings showing up like in dub v dub, which makes me pretty excited because it means that we're going to probably start with just a blank plot of ground or maybe a few buildings and we're going to add buildings like actual structures will be added as we upgrade our guild hall gets your it gets your sandbox engine revving oh my goodness it does they even like i'm pretty sure they showed in the trailer like a building being built in the guild hall yes no yeah they did they said guild halls and then there were like towers showing up on the map in the with the same effect that you get when you build rebuild a wall in WW, mm-hmm. which is awesome. Which means that if they're using the same tech, GVG maybe use guild halls. I don't think GVG is going to use guild halls. Eh, probably not, but still because they announced it as its own game type mode, and like I mean, I know that that's how it worked in Guild Wars One, but I think they're going to remain separate. I'm okay with it's that. It's probably better if it does remain separate, because honestly, in Guild Wars 1, all the serious DVGers ended up pretty much using the same hall. Yeah. Yeah, and it's gonna, so it's it, it'll end up with everybody having the same... Like, if you can customize what buildings are and where they go and things like that, it's going to very quickly turn into a lot of guild halls looking the well, exact what same. what if you've just got... Yeah. What if you do your layout um, where you build it yourself for when you're there, but then there's a default layout for when you're GVG? I see that as a possibility. Yeah. That but could then be. with GVG, then you may as well just make it a different map and maybe your guilds are you know going in but there. People yeah. are going to enjoy using their guild halls, even if it's a default layout, I think. Oh, that's a good point. And yeah. They'll, they'll get it as have an attachment to it. It's it definitely more difficult to, to balance it that way, though. Yes. Do we want to keep talking about guild halls, or do we want to like yes. segue that into more structured PvP? So actually, so what do you guys think we're going to see with the guild halls? Because there's always been the conversation of, okay, well, if they give us all the services in the guild halls, and if we're building buildings, how do we think that's going to work out? Player housing within the guild halls, done. You think so? You think we're going to actually be able to build, like, 
each player will get like their own little apartment or something that they can customize. I don't. I honestly don't think so. But it would be amazing if it did happen. <coughs> for for any arena employees listening, please iterate on that. What do you uh, What do you look What are you looking for in the guild halls, Grybok? Grybok, who who AFK'd for a minute and told us to keep going. Oh, um, well, I thought that was Robin. Is it that? Nope. Uh, I, huh? I want a reason to go there. Um. So I'm hoping for like like guild vendors and stuff, maybe like specific guild crafting things. Actually, something that wasn't exactly mentioned on the the stream, but uh, I saw on Twitter is that John J. Ryan, John J. Ryan, uh, who's one of the writers, said he was working on the narrative of guild halls, uh, which is really interesting to me. So I'm thinking that actually they're going to be more like like small adventure zones. You think they'll be intertwined into the story? And, you know, a leg of the story is plotting out land for your guild hall. That could be interesting. Yeah, but that that puts a gate, sort of, on the story and the fact that you have to actually have a guild. No, you could you could literally plot out some land for something and it could be, you know, then that part of the story is over with. And if you have a guild, you build it there. And if you don't, you don't. I mean, don't go too deep into it, like you're for the reasons you're suggesting that you have to have a guild, but it could it could be fit in. Yeah, you could actually good you writing. could also split the story. So it's like, oh, if you have a guild, you have access to this additional story. Exactly. Essentially, what I thought was interesting is they said, you know, a place to launch challenges from, uh, which I think could be interesting that they could actually be growing guild missions, maybe. Oh, please, please do. They're so stale, but they're so, like, I still want the rewards for them, but I, uh, I just don't want to do guild missions anymore. But I'm going to anyway. So Relics of War, folks, guild missions starting again soon, early February, not Super Bowl weekend, but, like, the weekend after that. Nice. We're going to do guild missions. Sounds good. I'll be there. Okay, I'm on my low-level character, and I just noticed that when your health gets low... It puts an arrow over your healing skill, and I think that's amazing. Yeah, that's in it's in low level zones for all of your even your eighties. Yeah. <laughs> so it makes it's me feel real dumb when I'm in Plains of Ashford and I get chunked down and it's like, here's your heal skill. Like, I know I've been playing this game for two years. Then why'd you get low? Just don't get low, man. <laughs> it's like it's the noob arrow. <laughs> yeah, it is. So Grybok, what do you uh what do you think uh we'll see in the guild halls? We just talked about possible missions, apparently a narrative in the guild halls. Yeah, I mean, I guess the real question, well, not the real question, everybody's got a lot of questions, I shouldn't say, I shouldn't be presumptuous enough to say the real question, but to me, the real question is whether or not we're gonna have merchant services. Like, you think we might see, like, access. trading post? I, I don't know, I mean, I, that's, I loved that in Guild Wars 1, and, you know, I mean, it's... It's one of those things where there's there's two strong disincentives for them to have those things in the game, in in the guild hall. Um, mm-hmm. The first is that it depopulates major cities somewhat, although I don't really think that it's that big of a concern, especially, especially not, not when mega servers. Well, especially with mega servers and that they've ruined Lion's Arch, um, which I have a whole separate segment, se- separate segment tangent, whatever to say about that, but. Um, yeah, I, I I think that that's not as big of a concern as everybody's worried about because a lot of people like to just hang out in cities. But uh, the other real disincentive for them to do that is that they actually sell like premier 
stations in the form of the Royal Terrace and the Airship Pass. So if Guildhalls accomplished that type of thing and could be accessed from anywhere... Eh, um, or do you think they might just abandon that? Or do you think that that might be something for the solo players that don't have guild... that can't take the time to build guild halls it's that's sort of a good like point an alternate. too yeah um that's yeah that's that's a really valid um point to make as well yeah um because anyway. if this is actually going to take a lot of work as a guild just working together to build these guild halls and to work through the narrative mm-hmm. it may it may be something that smaller guilds just can't do yeah and that's a whole different discussion too which we can't really be qualified to talk about right now because we don't have any details but balancing the load for small and large guilds and those types of i mean those those are real questions that need to get answered also how they're going to deal with people that have massive quantities of influence um currently or if there's going to be just a completely new progression system which i would hope hope they they will just for that reason so if someone has massive quantities of the stuff and also they have a max up guild hold day one that seems dumb but i wouldn't want to time gate it either so I hope they come up with an interesting way to uh, help you build it, and the narrative might be what that is. I really hope that they have varying sizes of commitment for guilds, so that smaller guilds can perhaps commit to a smaller guild hall that they can still work towards, instead of like everybody in a one-size-fits-all. So, Star Trek Online did an interesting thing with their guild halls. You can build star bases. And actually, also, uh, a similar system has found its way into uh, war, uh, Warframe, Warframe, wherein you start a project, like a building, and then the members of the guild contribute to it, uh, building resources and materials that, you get and, that you've collected and various other things you've co- collected by playing the game. And so over time, you essentially build these things up. And so that, that basically puts it on the guild... You're not necessarily using guild resources. You, you might add some influence. You might maybe influence can be used to speed some things up, but not necessarily instantly. I can't imagine them doing it without some form of time gating, though. Weirdly. Uh, and, well, I mean, it may be time gating in the sense that if it uses a completely new resource and acquisition method, the time gate would be that nobody has a head start on it, so you can't just like buy your way through it instantly. So it's not really a hard time gate so much as I know, but everybody starts at the same starting line. Yeah, and that could be time gating for not just for time gating's sake. Do it interesting. Do it within the narrative. Don't just make it. Oh, you can't do this because we said so. Well, or just I think for the- building the actual buildings themselves. Like, oh, hey, you got all these resources, but like these buildings need some time to build. That makes sense. Yes, yeah. it does. And then also, maybe there's certain things where you have to actually make, like, design the thing. So you have to research, like, there could be guild, like, your influence could actually, and your guild merits could be spent in guild projects to research, you know, designs, artifacts, or architecture, right. Which we already have an architecture tree. Yeah, it's true. Um, Yeah, oh man, yeah, there's just so much... Much to talk about. I, I don't even know. Like, guild halls are one of those things that I really am excited about and also a little bit wary about their implementation, but mostly really excited about. Mm-hmm. I also, I'm like, I'm super curious to find out how many different locales we'll have because Guild Wars 1 had a ton. I mean, I loved how different all the different guild hall locales were. I mean, you had pretty much every major biome and like racial, well, not and racial, but yeah, and then some, and, and pretty much every like major civilizations. And even, even had um, the domain of anguish a little bit. 
That's right. You had the tormented guild hall. Yeah, you had everything. It was really cool. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I'm not expecting quite that breadth of them, but I I hope we get some really different, interesting ones. They've proven that they can do it in the past. Yeah. Uh, one thing I hope they don't do is that um, Terra has this. I've played Terra a lot recently. They have a system where your uh, guild reputation and such can actually decay. Please no. God, uh, no the upkeep. I don't. I don't think they would do that. That's not a very. Guild I don't think Wars so either. But things. I'm scared. Yeah, I'm not too scared about that type of thing. But um, you guys ready to 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 segue that into the GVG slash stronghold uh discussion? Oh my god, yes. so much hype! Oh my god, I this... I really like how Colin Johansson announced that. I thought he did an excellent job of doing everything, but actually ever saying guild versus guild. Yeah, it, yeah, it doesn't seem like it's quite like true guild versus guild, but that it's a much better way of organizing a guild versus guild type structure instead of people just having to like fake do it in a world v world. Yeah, I think it's interesting because he's there's going to be a guild ladder, so you can actually register your guild team. So it's not so it sounds like there's going to be multiple kinds of ladders, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Um... Yeah, I mean, I know most of this discussion I'm going to hand off to Evie and possibly Eric, because I am not much of a PvPer, and I was not a huge PvPer in Guild Wars 1 either, so just take it away, whoever wants to talk about it. Alright, Evie, go. Okay, first of all, this is going to shift the meta of competitive play, because right now there's only the one game type, and because of that, there are certain types and roles that have to be filled, but depending on how... Um, the stronghold actually plays out. Like, we don't know if there's going to be environmental weapons or if something needs to be carried or whatnot. It, also, it's going the gathering to of the NPCs might actually result in, like, needing runners, which you don't really have right now. It, exactly. Um, but, I mean, there's there's going to be new skills and everything, and I have to wonder if part of that is to sort of facilitate that process of creating a meta and this new game type with the new skills and everything will mm-hmm. be so you think we'll, we might actually see a lot of new skills that are sort of geared towards this new game type at least a few if there's going to be a, a new role like you said there's a possibility of runners being a thing again if that is the case there we're going to need uh skill sets for the professions to be able to actually fill that up because as it stands right now the only professions i can really see doing that are thieves mesmers and ellies yeah unless of course there's some situations that require sort of a tanky run which uh, then you're too, potentially with portals and if you need a tanky oh, run sorry. guardians yeah guardians necros warriors for the tanky runs which could be interesting if there if there was such a thing as a tanky run. I don't know how you'd actually make one of them. Well, if if they end up making runners have to be tanky, it's pretty much going to be stuck on elementalists then. Or at least that's what I think would happen because elementalists can be tanky and they can and they have very decent movement skills. Can I I I know this is a little bit derailing, but I'm curious that. Um... Uh, in talking about specializations, I think one of the things we omitted, or at least I don't think was in the thing, is exactly how you specialize. And I'm curious, you guys' thoughts on, um, what I presume we have to unlock them. I presume we don't just, just come with mm-hmm. them. And then 
how that affects PvP and how you think uh, that might factor into the meta. I get the impression that specializations were going to come exclusively from Heart of Maguma. Which, I don't know so, about that. Yeah, because I, I can't imagine them making PvPers play PvE content, but I can imagine them introducing reward tracks with Heart of Maguma themes that might unlock it, stuff like that. It might just be that when you go into PvP, you have everything available. But then again, in Guild Wars 1, they had the precedent of uh, you had to have the expansion in order to unlock. So do you Mm -hmm. think we might see a PvP edition come out of this? I think that'd be cool. I think there's some really interesting questions regarding just that entire concept of the split of, of gating off the content. Because there were certain types of content, like new guild halls that came out in Guild Wars 1 that were you know, new with the expansions, but you didn't have to have the expansion to go to your own guild hall if you changed it. So I think that's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out in a lot of things. Like, which systems are just going to be added to the game for everyone, and which ones are going to be locked behind the expansion, and how they're going to... Like, how the how it's going to be enforced well, from a player's perspective. Yeah, but hold on. Have they even told us how we're going to get this expansion? Are we going to be buying it? Hold on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on. Let me take a quick detour through. I'll just read the bullet points, and then we can move on. Okay, they put out an FAQ on their website, and these are the things we know about the expansion from the official source super quick. First of all, there is no launch date. Second, there will be an early access beta, but there are no current details other than the first playable version will be at PAX East six weeks from now. Third, there will be a paywall. There's no information on the paywall. There will be no subs. There will be free updates, and there's no pricing info currently. Lastly, there will be a box, and there will be, n- or there is no collector's ad- edition info currently, but it's coming soon. Yeah, for collector's edition. So there is an enforced box, or probably digital there's paywall digital of some sort. Box, so. Right. Yeah. But yes, there is a paywall. Which I'm actually okay with assuming that we're getting as much content as it looks like we're getting. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. most people are agree that it's like totally legit to pay for an expansion. Um I just think that it's it's always an interesting question when you're it's very easy to like lock off land masses um and things like that and it's a like potentially a little bit more difficult to like or maybe not difficult but a little bit less discoverable perhaps like why you can't go like to a guild hall or why your PvP suddenly is like locked down when the environment of Guild Wars 2 is specifically meant to sort of be like everybody has equal options. So it'll be interesting to see if some of these things come for everybody but not all. Like I would imagine specializations of classes don't come unless you get it, but yeah, anyway, I don't know. It's I, an interesting discussion. Even with that said, I wouldn't be surprised if PvPers had to buy the expansion in order to use the specializations and um, Revenant. Because that's how it worked in Guild Wars 1, and that's completely reasonable. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's yeah, it's interesting. Um, anyway, back to, the, back to the PvP mode. So, it's interesting because the gen... It's kind of a weird, like, almost PvE PvP, which is interesting because you're going to be, apparently, a key part of this is going to be recruiting NPCs around the map and bringing them to fight along with you. And I think that's a very different sort of game mode than we've seen before mm. for Guild Wars PvP. Until someone makes a comp that completely ignores them and steamrolls the other team by rushing <laughs> them. Right, and that's and, that's, and there's that. I mean, is it a question of <laughs> how good the PvPers are? Is it a question of 
how good you're able to actually move around the map. What sorts? Of, I mean, what is the challenge? I mean, of... it may be able to give you the concept of like pincer attacks. Like if you get, no. you know, I mean, who knows? Uh, there's, there's a lot of the... unknowns with it, really. For yeah. you to really speculate, oh, this is going to be a thing. This is going to be a thing. There's going to be a new role. But with as more details come out, we'll be able to say, hey. With these new skills, this can happen. Or because this mechanic works this way, we're going to need a runner. Or because this mechanic is this way, we're going to need bunkers that can heal more. One of the things we talked about while we were watching the screen or the stream is how much it sounded like uh, almost a GVG version of Fort Aspenwood, where you had the mm-hmm. uh, NPCs kind of coming from both sides, and they were integral to the fight. But if the if the players didn't know what they were doing or know which NPCs to protect or or how to go about it and there were ways to circumvent the effects of the NPCs. I think I think Arena knows how to even though despite, you know, Guild Wars 2 currently very different team than the, the team that designed Guild Wars factions, there's still um somewhat of a precedent for like as much of a precedent as you can call Guild Wars 1 for Guild Wars 2 and they're very different games. But I think that type of gameplay is very appealing to me. I love Fort Aspenwood a lot. Um and yeah, I, I really like to see that. It, in my head, Stronghold looks like uh, two Fort Aspenwoods back to back, where each each side has a base that can be breached. Or if you're a uh, FPS player, two Fort Aspenwood. Like that's uh, <laughs> yeah, that's that's actually what I thought see, you meant. I'm picturing sort of as a combination of Fort Aspenwood, GVG, and Jade Quarry. Mm-hmm. I could see that. With some, like, world-v-world influence thrown in for good measure. Which, speaking of world versus... Well, we should... Yeah, no, that's a good segue. About, yeah, speaking of Let's world versus world, there is a new map coming, which is pretty... It's interesting because it is a new borderline, so it's going to actually affect the core rotation, which I think is going to be... It's something that they've wanted. Well, the and... idea that they use the word rotation is significant in and of itself. Yeah, that suggests that there's more than one Borderland map, maybe? High-pitched voice? Well, there's already one set of Borderlands maps, so it may mean it will rotate between the two, or maybe there's more than one new type of Borderland, or, yeah, I mean, yeah. it's it's hard to, obviously, again, we really don't have very many details, but I think it is interesting that they have this idea of a Borderland rotation, even though we don't really know what that's going to entail. Yeah, so that'll be, I think that's something that people have wanted and it does sound like they add a bunch of it's going to add a bunch of new sort of things that you're going to be working on in the borderlands themselves which is which will be good the concept of having uh a keep and then uh different objectives outside the keep that are have events directly tied to the defense of the keep sounds like a very good solution to the problem we have in world world now which is that Offense, you have to be offensive to, I guess, be rewarded, and also it just is more fun. Like, defending is no fun in, in World v. World right now. Um, so I, I really like that they've, they've looked at that, um, but I guess we'll have to see how it works in practice. Yeah. It sounds really good. You're right, but there is some... If they buff the defense part, I think it would be really great, because sometimes if you've got a buffed Stone Mist or a buffed, uh, you know... Um, keep near Stone Mist. You can do some pretty good defending. Um, I've done that late at night on my server when you know no one's around. But if they buffed it and made that more fun, as fun as the driving, breaking a gate, somehow that would be really cool. 
The interesting thing is they said that they wanted to put in mechanics that are going to incentivize or improve defense. And I wonder what that means. Because they were they're pretty light on that details. I'm not sure what they're what that how that's going to affect cuz they said they wanted stone mist to actually be valuable to hold for an extended period of time. You know, it was it's interesting that you said that about details. It's sort of a point that we've been saying several times throughout this podcast. And somebody I was talking to um, before the podcast, you know, they they actually sort of summarize that, you know, in their opinion, a lot of what was announced was sort of a lot of not exactly buzzwords, but like names of systems that we have no context for how they're implemented and then mm. did not follow up by explaining how they were implemented. And so you could kind of tell that in the like audience reaction that there were um, like it was it was hard to tell or the audience seemed like they had a hard time knowing when to applause for certain things because you know it's like new like specializations and people were like uh you know and like all these things and then you know they go new class and it's like clap 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 woo and like guild halls woo you know it's like those are the things people know what those mean like they don't know the exact implementation but they know what those things mean a general idea yeah they have a general idea of what those things mean and that there were all there was a lot of this presentation that was a lot of new systems with not a lot of explanation and so obviously that's because they 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 want to get the idea out there and then fill it in later but yeah i mean i mean you hit it on the head like it's it's really hard to like understand exactly what they mean when they say a lot of these things which is what we're here for to speculate. I just thought that was sort of an interesting yeah. observation somebody made. As as much as that can be sort of a negative thing, I think it's actually kind of nice because we haven't had anything to do that with in Guild Wars 2 for a long time. And it's kind of a fun thing, at least from a podcaster point of view, it's kind of exciting to have something that we're like, we have no idea what this means, but we think it means ter- hamster houses. I think it's dangerous more than positive or negative. Mm-hmm. Because people's expectations can be set in ways that are going to be completely crushed. Yes, and from analyzing the company point of view, which we do a lot on this show, it makes me wonder why they've backpedaled and told us this and not released it. Yeah, it's, well, the, yeah, ex- exactly. Like, the danger is that, you know, building up a hype train that's going to a completely de- different destination, like, and it's never going where they think it's going to be. And then people get really angry because people forget that they've entirely just been speculating on one vague sentence. And they take all of their conclusions leading up to wherever they think they're going as factual statements made by a developer. Like, I mean, we saw that countless times during mm-hmm. the lead up and post post release launch. Like, countless times of, you the know. Whole systems taken out of the, the game. Or even that are in the game and are exactly what they described if you didn't add any embellishment on how you imagined mm-hmm. it would work. You know, like dynamic events were a huge one. Like people railed against dynamic events so hard when like once the game came out of like, oh, they're just glorified quests. And it's like, yeah, but like what they told you before launch, all of that is true. You know, like they they happen whether or not you're around you know they interconnect with one another the world physically changes if you succeed or fail them like you know i mean there's like all the things they said are completely descriptive and true of dynamic events but like people built up this entire like ai ecosystem in their heads 
And, you know, when it didn't come out that way, people, you know, people very, in my opinion, very wrongly gave ArenaNet a lot of crap for that. Um, for like promising something that they didn't deliver. I was like, no, they delivered well, exactly. There were a few things that weren't exactly correct. Like I remember reading on dynamic events, how they would, you'd find a tome somewhere on a mountainside that changed the whole zone. And so there were some things that weren't quite what said, but for the most part, I think you're right. People embellish too much and then they have this idea in their head and yeah. And then that's the same thing is going to happen with this. If we've got eight months before release, our specializations going to be speculated upon and dreamed into something else. And all of a sudden we've got this and no one's happy with it because they had that time to embellish. Or will guild halls suddenly become like the impossibility that is the amazingness of hamster houses, like the super sandbox hamster house that like Eric has already dreamt up in his brain. Oh yeah. Um, And I just, you know, I just want to be clear to our listeners who may or may not, you know, be aware like that eight months thing is just pure speculation. Nobody has any clue when this is. Yeah. I mean, just throwing out a number, like nobody knows at all when this is coming out. I've seen a lot of speculation on timelines, you know, people pointing back to Guild Wars 1, you know, where they would say, oh, hey, by the way, we're coming out with an uh, an expansion in three months. And it's like, oh, so... This expansion is clearly probably going to come out in, you know, April. And it's like, well, not necessarily, you know, I mean, you know, yeah, it's uh, nobody, nobody try to imagine that we have a timeline at all on when this is coming. Yeah. And the thing is, I don't think we'll know until they're probably pretty close to launch. When it's ready, you might say. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot of things that they still have to talk about it. I mean, guild halls, all of the different professions, if they do, and if you notice on the uh, webpage, the professions look an awful lot like they did when they were launched, and by awful lot, they are the, it's the same graphic, essentially, that they use to release professions with Guild Wars 2, uh, 2's initial profession reveals. So if they take the same amount of time that it took on uh, profession reveals there, we're like two years out. <laughs> oh, God, all I can say is I hope we're not two years out. That'd be horrible. <laughs> uh, is there anything else we wanted to say about the new PvP, or just that it's exciting and we don't know what we want to, you know? Without really knowing what's going on there, you can't really speculate on PvP too much other than, oh, yay, new game mode! I'm Guild- still hoping that... <laughs> Guild tracking! Uh, w- I'm still hoping WW gets the uh, amazing gliders. I'm going to campaign for that now. <laughs> Uh yeah, it's uh yeah. yeah. So, so the WW Oh, go ahead. So why don't you go first? Well, I was going to sidetrack us down to uh back to zone design and sort of that because there's some pretty big differences. Um so the WW zones, we don't really know what they look like aside from there's a few keeps, which is sort of like uh what we've seen in Edge of the Mists. But I'm also curious to see with the PvE zones, are they bigger? Are they split into... They talked about how they're split into three parts. Is that three instance parts? Are those three open world parts? As you shift from zone to, from level to level, will there be loading screens? Will you be gliding along and all of a sudden it'll load screen you into the next map? Or do you think we're going to be getting much larger zones now? I think we're going to be getting much larger zones. Just based on how they've been scaling up their zones in in their different, um, you know, like we said, like back in the the Kite City and and all those things, like they've definitely been practicing pushing the envelope on like size and verticality and things like that. Um, at least that's my hope. I think it would be really 
I mean, just imagine how amazing it would be if you could be up in the canopy and jump down and hang glide into effectively a whole separate zone and then keep going even like we've got to go deeper like i i don't know i i hope so i think that if they do that 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 would be truly impressive which that was one sort of disappointment actually that people had from guild wars 2 was that it wasn't seamless world because a lot i think a lot of people were expecting seamless world like you have in wow and a few other mmos so it'll be interesting to see if we're getting closer to that yeah it's um yeah it's very interesting i feel like if they had the mega server technology at launch it would be a lot closer to a seamless world. Like, I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe those are unrelated points, but... Um, so I guess I was gonna gonna push us in a tangent of um, speaking, going off of our, you know, release timeline, complete lack of knowledge. Um, what do you guys think about wh- how that bodes for the story and the living world in between now and then? Well, considering that the story, according to Michael Bryan and Colin Johansson, is... 10 minutes after the end of the current living story, I can't see us really getting much. So we've clearly got a new World vs. World season starting up, and Dragon Bash is coming back. Are we scheduled for a feature patch? There is a feature patch next week, but it's a pretty minor feature patch. Yeah, They previewed it a few uh, last week, two weeks ago. It's uh, basically just a lot of profession balance changes. There's not necessarily a lot of features. That's the one where we're getting the might um, debuff. Right. Okay. Yeah, so if this is 10 minutes after the living story, I really hope that we're not going to be waiting eight months for something. So we could do side stories. I think that could be an interesting thing. Or we could do, like, fractal stories. That could be interesting. Yeah, I just sort of but question yeah, whether know. that'll hold people's attention, depending on how long we have to wait for this mm-hmm. expansion. Well, considering, yeah, we just had this massive bomb drop, how long are we going to have to wait to actually see the resolution of that? Yeah. I think we'll question. be able to guess how fast, they're really, how fast it's going to come by how quickly they start releasing the information. information. Yeah. I mean, if we start getting, like, a thing, like, four things a week, it's like, oh, this thing's, like, three months out. Yeah, like, if next week they're hitting, they're like, oh, hey, here are all the specializations and their weapons, then they'll be kind of like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting. It, it it poses an interesting question and possibly an interesting dilemma for ArenaNet, depending on what the answer to that, you know, to the question of what their release timeline is. Um, yeah, I don't know. Food for thought. Mm, I don't know. What is, does anybody else have any other, like, ideas, thoughts? Yeah, I don't know. I'm like we're kind of in a state of shock. Like I don't even. Yeah, <laughs> well, and there's and and the thing is, they gave us a lot of names, like you said, and just not a lot of details on those names. So there's not a lot to bite into aside from just crazy speculation. Yeah, I think we should speculate as to what each of the specializations is going to be. We've already guessed on Mesmer being Chronomancer. That seems pretty obvious. Uh, Engineer, he's got a hammer. He's got little floating uh, guys around him. What do we uh, what do we think that's gonna be? Magitech Mage. Okay, that's an interesting. Cause, Cause that hammer was on fire. Yeah. Okay, I like that. A Magitech. Okay. Uh, and we were talking about magic into you know okay. more of the less magicy classes, so yeah, that fits. Yeah. And warrior, I think uh, I don't know. I actually have no idea. Champion. How about what would you like to see on each of them? 
Yeah. Okay. That goes, I like that. I'd that like to see better. the warrior go towards uh, the Paragon. Oh, that'd be cool. Kind of, I kind of him. meeting the warrior and the guardian halfway. Yeah. No, that'd be well, interesting. More I was the Paragon than the uh, the ritualist, because I feel the the guardian does more ritualist stuff than um, Paragon, or even Dervish a little bit. So, do you think you might see like a ritualisty sort of thing on the guardian? What do you think the guardian's gonna get? Because I would, I was thinking Paragon for guardian. Spirit told me to say Guardian Pope with dual battle axes. So, Battle Pope. Battle Pope retired. I believe that's, uh, okay. I approve. I'll go, I'll, I'll go with Battle Pope. Yeah. Alright, Battle Pope. Uh, you heard it here on Relics first. Battle Pope. I'm assuming Official name, TM, with, pendant. <laughs> I think Evie's right that there is gonna be some sort of, like, I don't know, uh, what would you, what would the necro be? I, mean, I think you're right. It's gonna be something like a reaper-ish thing. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, okay, thief. Death, I'm thinking sniper, assassin. Well, if he gets, but assassins wouldn't necessarily work with the whole rifle. And we're trying to convince Arena Net to give thieves rifles, right? That's a Wait, concerted mm-hmm. effort on our Many part. Many people right? have been assassinated with rifles. If you didn't, know. yeah, I was gonna say, Eric, yeah. whoa. Yeah, but, like, role. for fantasy, like, you don't generally think, oh, yeah, assassin, you don't generally you got a think rifle. rifles at all in fantasy, so... Oh, okay, that's a valid point. <laughs> think right, about, fine. you know, what if, what if you shadow refuge your bullet before it went into your target? Ah, oh, that'd be so sick. Oh my goodness, that'd be amazing. Yeah, I've always, I've always liked the idea, well, especially because ranged thief is just really not very viable as a, like, complete playstyle. Like, you've got some ranged options, but you can't really go ranged-ranged for your two weapon sets. See, and, yeah. Like, I think I think it'd be really cool to have a long-range rifle DPS thief that is... Oh, gosh, I had a word for it. Something... A word sort of akin to, like, skirmisher or something like that, that, like... Yeah, you know, and then we could have thieves with sniper rifles in PvP, and people could complain about campers as if it was an FPS. Yeah, exactly. Like, give you know, come out with a rifle called the Op. I like this. So, okay, so we got Thief, those Guardians. How about oh, Elementalist? Elementalist, that's a weird one. Yeah, I'm thinking, where would that one go? I, I mean, I really like the idea of, like, a, a Mesmer-style, like, sword duelist. But the Mesmer does that, though. Yeah, but every class... That, like the, For every class concept that you can come up with, there's somebody else that does something vaguely similar. I I, I really want to see, like, an arcane archer kind of thing going on. Oh where, my goodness, that would be awesome. Because so, right now, the Elementalist is kind of widespread, you know, storm thing going on, but having them kind of focus on one point would be kind of cool. More finesse, uh, less... Well, okay, I completely disagree, because I want I want my elementals to have a hammer. I want him to be up in your face, hitting you with the hammer and all over the elements all the time. You are biased, though, bam, because bam, of Juggernaut. Bam, bam, bam. Only a little bit. I actually don't like elementals that much. I think that would sell me on it, though. What about a hammer? Hammer or a great sword. Hammer or a great sword for elementalist. I'm all for it. They already have one. It's called the like fiery great sword. I would play the element maracas. Well, elementalists already have already conjured have bows too. and hammers and swords. Yeah. Yeah. See, they don't need. Oh, see, they true. don't need anything. They're good. So, so rifle, oh, <laughs> rifle. Yes, there we go. Conjured rifle. 
Oh, they could be like a gun mage from War Machine. Oh, that would be sick. Oh, pistol, pistol, and it's like, ah, that's right. Yeah, okay, that sick. would actually be kind of awesome. I mean, I want that for Mesmer. Maybe uh, that's Mesmer. Maybe Mesmer is like I, a pistol uh, duelist. Okay, I want Mesmer's to have dual daggers at mid range. Oh, that would be god. Oh my gosh, there's so many cool things you could do with Mesmer's. Yeah, illusionary weaponry. Oh man. God, I remember. I loved illusionary weapon builds, the like Mesmer Warrior stance build in Guild Wars One. Anybody, anybody do that? Oh, I loved it too. I was, I was full on Mesmer. I miss the Guild Wars One Mesmer to tell you the truth. Yeah. It'd be cool if a specialization, special specialization brought that back. I can't speak. Yeah, I, I mean, I love both implementations, but they feel like completely different classes. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess I feel like maybe the Mesmer of Guild Wars 2 feels like how in your headcanon you would have imagined an Illusion Mesmer, you know? Because like, yeah, you know, a little bit. Illusion Mesmers in Guild Wars 1 were really just debuff hexers, um, whereas like Guild Wars 2 is very much Illusions are their primary mechanic. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the most common types of Mesmers from Guild Wars 1 are, are effectively absent in Guild Wars 2, which is a shame, but... Well... <sighs> I've I've always kind of said that mesmers turned into thieves and thieves are like what we know as mesmers now were like the weird things that didn't really exist in Guild Wars One. Some sort of yeah. I mean yeah. Well, I mean mes- mesmers were so much of had so much of a like a. Uh, like a shutdown role, whereas like thieves do shut down, but they primarily just kill people. Like they kill yeah. people by shutting them down. But in Guild Wars One, it was more like I'm going to cripple your ability to do anything without actually killing you. Which but. was such a clutch moment in PvP and other times. I mean, mm-hmm. blackout skill. You had to blackout your own skills, but in PvP, stopping the elementals from having meteor shower was worth it. Or power block. Like, yeah. having something that you have to have split-second reaction time to, and if you biff it, nothing happens, and if you mm-hmm. hit it, it's just, like, crippling. Yeah, I mean... Anyway. Or even going to straight-up energy denial and just, like, yeah. hitting the monk right after they did a big heal, yeah. and then just... They can't do anything for the rest of the fight as long as you stay on them at yeah. that point. I mean, it's... I do see what you mean, though, with the similarities between Thief. Like, they're both very high-skill floor and high-skill cap classes. Like, you have to be very good to do well as either of them, and, like, the, the skill cap on them is very high as well. And there's definitely that denial element to Thieves with their access to dazing and stunning and stuff like that. But anyway, um, oh, are there, what are, uh, are there any other professions we didn't speculate on yet for... Necromancer, sort of. Well, I mean, we already know they get a great sword at the very least. Yeah, but how are they going to use it? That's true. I think it'll be melee. I hope it'll be melee anyway. Do you think that they're going to launch with the Ravager having access to a specialization? The Revenant? Revenant, yeah. There we go. I would have to say so. I think you just said it's specialization. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I hope that it is a hardcore melee, life-stealing, blood sort of tank. Yeah, um, I will suck the life out of you to survive. Or are we talking about uh, Necro still? No, Ravager. Oh, okay. uh, which is Revenant the, or Ravager? The Revenant, whose specialization is Ravager, I have decided. Okay. Um, yeah, I I think it has to. I mean, I feel like it's even though it doesn't sound like it's going to be quite the analog of secondary professions in Guild Wars One, it would 
be it would feel like if they didn't release revenant with a specialization it would feel like releasing the paragon and dervish without the option to do secondary classes like or until mm-hmm. later you know like it's just like it's it's just a core mechanic of every class so if every class is going to get one then i feel like the new class has to have one too so since we're launching with theoretically one specialization do you think that how do you think that new specializations would roll out? Do you think that'd be every expansion pack? Do you think we're going to see that, or do you think we're going to see new ones roll out in Living World? Because they have said they're not abandoning the Living World. I I can't even I can't even begin to speculate on that. I could see it either way. Yeah. So, but I want to know what do you guys think of the name? I mean, what what kind of image does that uh, conjure up for you? The Dragon Age Two Spirit Mob things. It- yeah. As far as, like, the naming, like, convention goes for it and what Revenant means and how it's thematically, they've kind of explained it, it fits. It really fits. Yeah, I mean, the the quickie dictionary definition is a person who has returned, especially supposedly from the dead. Like, that's... Yeah, I'm getting an undead vibe from it a little bit. Yeah, which the mists is kind of spirits and stuff. Well, it's not necessarily exactly undead so much at, like... I guess there's sort of that fine distinction between undead or undeath being like, you know, you are sort of halfway in between the corpsey, not corpsey, like raised from the dead versus like the revenant is sort of like I have returned from like I've returned to life from from death as opposed to like an or from the brink of death or whatever or or yeah or whatever whatever your mythos. So do you think that that's going to mean that something along the lines of? uh that we're going to have, like, a different new player experience for them, or do you think that they're going to just play, like, all the other characters? I'd be really, really surprised and extremely disappointed, honestly, if Revenants just start off, like, oh, hey, you're a human Revenant? Here's Queensdale and all this stuff that's going on with Zaitan. Even though Revenant, like, Char Revenant dude happened way after that. Uh... I mean, I agree with you in that it would be kind of disappointing, but from a pragmatic standpoint, I really don't imagine them doing all of the work to try and explain the chronology and allow Revenants to... Like, I don't... I can't see them disallowing Revenants from doing the core storyline, even though theoretically Ritlock is introducing the Revenant class after, like two years after the storyline, since they, you know, made it canon that Living World is synced up chronologically with the game world like i think that's just gonna be one of those things that we're just gonna have to shrug and accept that it's not really canon or they can just give revenants their own personal story i just yeah i mean they could i but like but again like their personal story wouldn't include zaitan like i just don't see that I don't know. Well, does that does it, are they going to have a new starter zone then? That raises that question. Well, if they don't have a new race, I don't see why they'd have a new starter zone. Maybe, though. I mean, who knows? yeah, I mean, I mean, maybe they return from the mists from every race as a new starter zone. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Or maybe the starting instance is kind of like the dream for Silvari, except it's you know with every race because every race can be a revenant. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it has something to do with the faux fire. Uh, maybe. And the cleansing of the faux fire. Maybe that's what we're going to be seeing, is for the next few things, we're going to actually see what was happening around Ritlock, the next few living stories. That would be a good way to keep us with something before the expansion comes out, yeah. You know, that's a really good thought. Like, I was just racking my brain trying to think of how we could do living story in any way, shape, or form and still maintain the expansion 
chronologically being right after the end of the living story. Um, but filling in the backlog of like what Ritlock's been up to for, you know, four months or whatever it's been. Exactly. He's not necessarily the only person that's been pulled into this portal. So maybe him being there, he's the captain, the rallying force that says, Hey, we're all revenants. Let's get out of here and kick some butt. Yeah, that could be cool. And hell, maybe they could have that tie into like new fractals or something. That'd be uh, pretty interesting. I mean, it would be kind of hard to explain how your character actually got to that lo- like got to that location to do they, those things. They could pull a um, what was it called? Not a Warren Quaida. The one after that. Well, like the bonus mission pack type things. Well, that and um. The ones where you play as Kieran, not Kieran. Oh, because we've already parts of the north. We've already seen them do that with uh, what's her face? The memory Uh, seeds with Kate. So, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, they 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 clearly have the ability and the technology to let you play as uh, um. you know, other other NPC classes. I mean, like we, I mean, we could just all be Ritlock for these instances. And it'd be a great way for them to hype up Revenant. Oh man, yep. God, that would be great because then it could be like maybe he becomes a Revenant right before he returns. So like we don't have Revenant mechanics until right before the expansion comes out, and then it's like, oh my God, now I'm a Revenant in Heart of the <laughs> or uh, <laughs> Heart of Thorns. I I can't say Heart of without instantly turning into like all of the blizzard acronyms uh <laughs> heart of the swarm heroes of the storm <laughs> it's 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 unfortunate um but uh i'm surprised that they didn't save the hot acronym for the primordius expansion just just sad about that <laughs> maybe i mean maybe they'll do some other you know uh some other temperature based pun it's going to be like an R-L-Y-H-O-T for the Primordius one. <laughs> really hot. R-L-Y-H-O-T. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Or lava hot. There you go. Lava. Yeah, or lava. Yeah, I don't know. Um, wow. Yeah, Jesus. I don't even... Uh... Yeah, wow. You're welcome. Yeah, but here's hoping that they do that. Get to adventure and what Ritlock was doing in leading up, and that'd be a perfect way. You're not a he's not a revenant until they come out with you. Well, and it's interesting because that allows them to do more living story, and it actually would theoretically give them more time mm-hmm. before people start freaking out about why is this not here. Well, that's sort of yeah. I mean, that's sort of what I was you know sort of trying to imply is like you know if if the expansion doesn't come out in the next say three months like if it's say six months so we're talking like june that's uh quite a long gap in terms of guild wars 2 player base of no new content and if it's even later than that then you know the it's increasingly long um so yeah i don't don't know it's very interesting i'm i'm really i'm really excited to see what they do like well hopefully excited (laughs) So where are we? We've talked about specializations, guild hall. Masteries. Masteries. What would you like to see from Masteries? Because they kind of touched base a little bit, but, I mean, they didn't do anything or say anything about combat. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Well, I definitely would, the exploration ones seem interesting. Uh, yeah, I, well, and also the question of whether or not they, they sort of seem to sort of imply that these masteries were specific to this region, um, 
So whether or not they are, in fact, only specific to this region and or whether or not they're planning on expanding them into other regions, which could also be cool, of which we don't have an answer, obviously. Region locked would be interesting because, so like the Eye of the North, basically, traits or uh, reputation lines, that would be weird. Uh, Yeah, it, um, yeah, I mean... It it could be both weird, but also kind of cool to have like region specific masteries. Like in the Shiver Peaks, perhaps they would add content and masteries that sort of played off of that content to sort of like reinvigorate some of those maps. And I mean, I don't know. It's it's got a lot of potential. You know, Mo Mike O'Brien um sort of sort of gave that you know that sort of I don't know if it's a hint, but just sort of indicated it seemed like that uh, that a lot of these systems that they're building, they intend them to be a framework for further expansion of content. Um, so I mean, even even if this stuff isn't in um, Heart of Thorns, it's you know it, it creates room to grow even past that, and we don't even know exactly the extent of which things are going in Heart of Thorns. Yeah. That'll be really interesting to see. All right. Well, it seems like we've got a little bit of a lull in the conversation, and uh, on our our uh, one of our prior hosts from back uh, back before I was hosting, uh, Washed in Blood, uh, joined our channel. How how you doing today, Washed? <laughs> oh my gosh, it's so exciting! Oh my gosh! Yeah. Why don't you just like Why don't you just talk for a little bit? Because we we've all like talked ourselves into a giant circle, and so and you we haven't been listening to us on like everything. But go. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, okay, first off, I'm I'm excited that it is actually a paid expansion. I think it's about time, and that'll also give them a nice cash infusion, which I think the company, of course, desperately needs to keep producing great content. Um, oh, man, there just seems like they're, they've set the bar pretty dang high. I know some players were a little, um, like on Reddit, were disappointed that there was no race confirmation. But holy cow, I mean, they're basically adding a ton of stuff to all the other professions. I mean, they're the masteries, the specializations. I mean, they're, they're introducing a whole new crafting profession for crying out loud. Um, yeah, I mean, they have, they have set the bar super, super high for this, which of course leads into the question of when in the heck are they going to release it? Yeah. Um, did you say new crafting profession or did you just mean regular profession? No. Didn't they say they were adding the uh, ability to craft precursors? Uh yeah well yeah it's they didn't exactly explain it that okay yeah, yeah. mastering collection stuff so I mean there's been a lot of speculation as to whether things like the Madri back piece that was sort of a scavenger hunt and then also the luminescent armor set both of which required mapping around and time locked things and collections and you know multi-step and combining and you know all those things are sort of dry runs for this this uh, idea of precursors which i think is a fair a fair supposition yeah that makes sense um but we get a new actual profession new new combat cloud yeah the revenant you have any thoughts on that um when can i channel shigeru uh shigeru (laughs) shiro yeah. Shiro Tagachi. Yeah. yeah, oh my gosh. You combined his name into one. I like Shigeru. <laughs> Shigeru. It's my it's a short acronym for it. Yeah. Um it's I mean his stage makes... name. You <laughs> <laughs> maybe you haven't heard of him. <laughs> <laughs> He's very, very off, off, off Broadway. Yeah. <laughs> so but just I mean, they've got so many things they can draw on from the lore that that'll be that they can introduce to that profession. 
Which is also great for us lore nerds. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it didn't, it didn't really occur to me just now, but uh, the Revenant is almost like fractals in a profession. Is almost like what? Fractals in a Fractal. profession. Fractals? Ooh, oh, yeah. yeah. It is interesting how much the mists have sort of played sort of a subtle undertone of a lot of our character and story development. There's definitely... I wonder if they'll ever get into the multiverse stuff again. Yeah, it's, uh, well, you know, I said it a long time ago. The Mist is one of those really brilliant inventions that they made that basically lets you get away with whatever you want because the whole point of it is that it's sort of vague, amorphous, and not understood very well. Um, so, I mean, it allows for all sorts of crazy shenanigans. Yeah, definitely. Oh, goodness. Oh, man. <laughs> I think a lot of us are tired. Some of us woke up earlier than others. Ah. Ah. <laughs> yeah, Kay woke up tomorrow, so, you know. Yeah, she woke up in the future. <laughs> so I assume you guys have talked about the new uh, flying aspect that's being introduced? Yeah, the gliders. Um, what, you, what are your thoughts yeah. on that? I feel like that's a potentially contentious <gasps> issue until we see how it's implemented. It almost makes me wonder if there's not going to be a lot of um, waste on waypoints portal stones in this that it's going to be more that'll be your way of getting around the zone as opposed to just zipping all over from one place to the other god i hope not which would work with the lore because you know maybe no one's built way stations yet or waypoint stations well and it also I... makes sense with the closer you are to um to mordermoth the you know he's obviously disrupting the the ley lines yeah so hmm yeah actually that's, that's... i contradict evie in that i hope that there aren't a lot of waypoints i really like the idea of having places that are far away and basically since you can take any waypoint to anywhere i mean instantly there's not a sense of distance i would like to have i like that in silver waste right far away from the camp i can get out into the wilderness where there's not necessarily a lot going on the only thing about that that i find frustrating really is that it's annoying if you die and nobody reses you Yep. But, I mean, that's part of the intended design, too, like with Tequadal and stuff, that if you die, you're not able to teleport back right to the fight. You actually have to run away, so... Yeah, uh, I could see that both ways. Yeah, I... Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's very interesting. We've also been speculating on whether or not the gliders are going to be accessible everywhere in the world, or only in this zone, or especially whether or not they'll be accessible in World v. World. Do you have any thoughts on any of that? My guess is it'll be disabled in World v. World, and probably the rest of Tyria. It seems like it's going to be something specific, just given the way that this zone is going to be tri-leveled. So it's going to be a way of traversing between the various levels, and so it'll probably be zone-specific, would be my guess. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a reasonable a reasonable uh, guess. Um, man, it, yeah, it's really amazing how they, they kind of said so much and so little at the same time. <laughs> they talked yeah. for, what, like an hour or something on the live stream, and at the end you're like, well, that's a lot of cool stuff, but I don't actually have all that much more information. What is any of this? Yeah. At least we can say expansion without having to say, like, so to speak, or theoretically, or potential, or... <laughs> yeah, that we is nice. In the expansion... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, you guys have any speculation on price point? I'd say 30, probably anywhere 40 between bucks? 40 and $60. Yeah, I'd say 40 to 60 Yeah, I I would hope 40 Um, I, Yeah, it's it's a little tough. It's... It feels like there's a lot of content, but at the same time, it kind of feels like, in some ways, there's some areas where it's kind of skimping compared to standard expansions, at least from what we've heard so far. Um, largely in terms of 
zone and story length and race, all of which are pretty standard in in full price expansions. So I feel like forty is a pretty fair fair I'm spot. I'm actually gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna play Bill's Advocate again. I'm gonna say I'm gonna sell it for twenty and a lot of the features are going to be accessible to people who just have Guild Wars. And then maybe the new zone... Actually, probably not the new zone. I don't know. Because we've, we've talked about this before, but I think a lot of the features that are coming with the expansion will be available to everyone. And then maybe, like, the new classes or the new class and specializations maybe might be excluded. Because it's so tough to say... what. In in the game where everything is so intrinsically linked, I mean, because the with them having a paywall now, they have to decide who is the living world available to. Are we only giving it to to people who've bought the expansion? Are people who who just have Guild Wars going to be out of the living world from now on because it's going to be happening in Maguma? Um, so I'm gonna say, yeah, that's what I'm gonna say is I'm gonna say that they're gonna they're gonna make a lot of the features. Um, accessible to everyone, and then the actual expansion part will be a lot smaller and a little bit cheaper. That's an interesting idea, because I was also about to add on to the the $40 price point that I feel like 60 would be a little bit steep for players that haven't been keeping up on the living story, but would like to get back into it, because that adds $20 for Season 2, and you can't even get Season 1. Um, which would mean that, like, I, I mean, I have a lot of friends that played for a while, you know, but, like, maybe six or eight months and then stopped, and, you know, I think they would love to come back for an expansion and would like to be caught up on the story, but if that means $20 for The Living Story Season 2 and then another 60 that's starting to get kind of pricey, which yeah. I know that there's a lot of people like us that have been playing The Living Story, so we don't have to pay that, but... I don't know. It's, uh, well, it's, it's I think more than the cost. It's confusing. It's like, what I have to do by gems to do this for this little part, and I have to do it what ten times. That's just weird. Yeah. Well, and maybe they'll have like a not exactly digital deluxe, but maybe sort of a combo edition that includes season two if you haven't bought season two. That would definitely behoove them to do that. I I would agree. It could also be like a pre-order, you know, hot and get the you know season living story season two um but just kind of going back on, on the official faq for it while doing that you know we said a lot without saying a whole lot of anything the question specifically says what is the expansion bringing to the base game and it says the expansion will bring new features and that's it like wait how is that answering the question yeah so i suspect that one's probably gonna grow over the next few weeks yeah i mean i would assume that there's going to be certain things that are going to change with the base game because of a reflection of things that they have to make way or alter themselves for for the expansion. So like obviously some of the things are going to are going to change because of the expansion. Similar to how there's frequently, you know, skill balances that come out right before major expansions or patches because of something new that's changing. So like obviously you're going to get some of those things as a byproduct because they're not going to like split off your you know, whatever. Do you think that we're going to get uh, significant more news, uh, say, Tuesday or sometime next week? No. <laughs> I hope it's soon, though, because they can't just be like, mic drop, we're dropping an expansion, and then just shut down again, because that's never going to work. that's what well they do. I was going to say, I know. They? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we all go back to Guild Wars 2's release, and it was like, okay, we're releasing Guild Wars 2, and then five years later, they finally pop out of their hole to say, hey, here's your game. 
Yeah. I mean, they had a long hype cycle, and even that had peaks and valleys of, of you know, of, of release information. So, um, I would not expect something so soon from them, especially with how wiped out a lot of them are going to be after this whole PAX thing. How many people, though, went to PAX? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I just think, I don't know. It's hard to say. That's that's one thing why I think we might get more is because they they sent a few people to PAX, but they've held a lot of people back. And I mean, we really don't know. Just because they weren't speaking at PAX doesn't mean they didn't go to PAX. That's true. We will have to talk to Optin Mal about the uh, party to see how many actually were there. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, and it's worth mentioning now we're we're planning to probably do sort of a Relics of War special edition sometime early this coming week on some of our friends that. Um, uh, were there live in the audience who actually were on the live stream if you were looking carefully. Um, so anyway, keep on the lookout for that, but that's sort of a side note. So should we do final thoughts, maybe two things you like or dislike um, about what's happening? Just final idea? Uh, that's fine with me. Yeah, sure. Uh, Kate, go. I'm going to go top to bottom in, in uh, Mumble. Dang it. Uh, I like Guild Hall's I'm nervous about specialization. But excited, but nervous. Evie? I like the fact that they announced an expansion finally, obviously. <clears throat> Though I am very skeptical of what all these new systems that they've given basically no information on will actually entail. And I'm very hopeful about new weapons. so And even new race to some extent. Like, that uh, can still happen... It, yeah, it still could happen. Um, I am very excited about a new profession. Professions are my lifeblood of play experience. I care much less about races than professions because races are mechanically identical, effectively. Um, I mean, I know there's racial skills, but that doesn't count. Um, so I'm I'm really excited to have a new profession. Um, so that, that makes me really happy. And... Um, I'm excited about a lot of things. I'm excited about necromancers getting great swords. Like, holy moly. And, oh, definitely precursor crafting or scavenger hunting or however it's going to be. Because that's been something, as somebody who's crafted multiple legendaries, that's always been by far the most awful part. Um, so those are the things I'm really excited about. Uh, things I am uh, wary or scared about, I would say release timeline and the fact that we have none nothing of it um i am afraid that if they take too long and don't introduce some sort of living story as a stopgap um you know like we sort of discussed on the show uh i worry about being able to maintain the hype train um yeah that's i guess i'll that's that's my bullet points i guess i am super excited or first of all the uh, the specializations that is going to be I'm really interested to see how that's going to play out and if it does actually give us an authentic replication or at least a it makes us think about builds a little bit more uh, like we did in Guild Wars 1 when we were customizing stuff so I'm hoping for that and excited to see where that goes I'm also very excited for the fact that some person at ArenaNet was crazy enough to say hey let's uh, let's build some maps with gliders and then you know let Josh Foreman do something with that. Because, oh my goodness, Jumping Puzzle with Glider. Just throwing that out there. After the latest one in Silver Wastes, which went across an entire zone, Jumping Puzzles in this thing with the new movement mechanic is going to be mind-blowing, I think. Grab and go. 
I'm really excited for the lore drop that I think is going to happen. I mean, we should have an expansion's worth of lore, and I'm, you know, really always been a big lore buff. I really enjoyed the uh, Guild Wars 1 lore and feel like we haven't really had that developed ver- to any really large degree in Guild Wars 2. So I really hope the lore drop is awesome, but, you know, I'm skeptical about the release date. I hope that we get this soon, because like you said, we're going to have fatigue. We're gonna have, the hype train's going to go down. So, yeah, I just two little things. I want lore, but I don't want to wait too long for it. What do we want? We want lore. When do we want it? Preferably sooner. Preferably. Sooner rather than later, please. Uh, or even right. a date. I mean, even if they did give us a date eight months out, at least then we would know or something. Just this, you know, flim flam, we're not going to say anything, is so arena net. And it's just, they're doing, it's like they're doing the same thing that they've been doing since renouncing Guild Wars 2. It's, uh, it's understandable, but also frustrating as a consumer. Yeah. All right. And rounding out our cast, Washed. Uh, most excited for specializations. Just I'm. I tend to be a very one character player, and so having the ability to advance my character even more sounds fantastic. Uh, also, really looking forward to guild halls. I mean, come on, a place where all the relics people can just hang out and build our own base it sounds awesome. Uh, but like everyone else, I am super concerned about the release date. I mean, if this is going to be six to eight to twelve months down the road, I mean, oh. oh. The hype, it can't last that long. You gotta get something in before then, so it'll be interesting to see what they do. Yeah, I was just doing some math and if it takes nine months, that'll have been, that'll be at the three year mark. Like I know a lot of people are saying, you know, two years. I mean it's been two years, but it's actually been two and a quarter and yeah, so anyway, we'll see. We'll see how that bait, uh, how that how that plans out. And I don't, I don't think ArenaNet even knows, honestly. To be perfectly honest, I don't think they know exactly when they want to release it either. So, um, all right. So with that, I guess, um, do we want to talk about this cast cast, Kate? Um, <laughs> it kind of plays mm-hmm. into some of the stuff that might happen in the expansion. Oh okay. my god, I forgot an entire segment that we didn't even talk about. Oh yeah. What was that? Really quick. We didn't talk about, uh, I don't think we talked about anyone. I've already forgotten what we talked about. I don't think we even talked about the idea of the R word. Oh, oh rating. Okay. Super Difficult quickly. PVE content. Like, That's right. Oh my goodness. But it we drove me paste. up a wall, because they wouldn't talk about it at all. Like, oh yeah, there's going to be challenges. Chal- they kept saying challenges, yeah. challenges, difficult content, challenges. You know, veteran players, like that, all those were that kind of there, but they never said world boss, raid, dungeon, none of that. You're right. And And so I'm really scared. Yeah, I thought the same thing when I was looking over it, but then I guess I got distracted with other stuff. It almost seems like they wanted it that way. So here's an interesting thing. I was watching the video of what looks like it could be ostensibly a dungeon. Uh, where the people are fighting a uh, dragon and he's coding the area and there's a set number of people and so it looks like it's sort of instanced, possibly. I saw three to four players in there. I never saw five, which is interesting because what currently is semi-challenging with more with three to, with one to five players... Living story challenge mode? Living story challenge modes. So I'm thinking that we might see a lot more of that become the sort of challenge just player character stuff that'd be weird i i really hope they introduce something similar to like the underworld or the fissure of woe especially yeah, with all this zone especially with all this like revenant uh like tie into the mists you know like 
it's a perfect opportunity to open us up to some sort of crazy hardcore challenge though. That would actually be a fascinating thing to release now in prep. Living <laughs> story leads to Fisher of Woe. Now we have to figure out be- to beat Fisher of Woe before this whole thing launches and then Yeah. I think I think we're all kind of getting exhausted and they really didn't say anything about this, so I guess that's pretty much all we needed to say about it, which is that we all hope it's there and they didn't really talk about it. Yeah. It's um, sort of Wheel of Morality? Turn, turn, no. turn? Well, we actually have a cast cast. I just oh, interrupted okay. it because the cast cast kind of ties into that same concept, and that's what made me think of it. So, Kate, take it away. Uh, hello, and welcome to Cast Cast, the podcast within the podcast, but the cast of other podcasts and the style cast of other podcasts. This week on the less butchered cast cast than last week. Um, stuff. Uh, I've got a pro tip really quick. I got an email from someone just before the show. Um, Shadow Dragon says, uh, tip for people, especially new players, if you don't have all the living story unlocked, you can still experience it without paying gems if you join someone's instance who has. The only downside would be you can't interact with the NPCs, so it's the same as guesting in their personal story. Uh, so there's a pro tip for you if you're just joining the game and you really want to get into the lore, but you, uh, it's only like $2 to unlock a story chapter, but if you don't want to spend that money or you just would prefer to run it with guildies, that's a great way uh, to experience that content without having to unlock it. Yeah, it's 20 bucks for all of Season 2 currently. There's 8 chapters at $2 a piece. Oh, so 16... Or no, it's 1,600 gems, which is $20. Yeah, that's what it was. 200 gems per chapter, which is... Yeah, anyway. Yep. And then the other thing was... Yeah. Uh, the other thing was a thing that we pulled off Reddit. Um, which I think was just a really interesting discussion. It's about the Zerka meta, but it's um, from the standpoint that the Zerker meta is the best possible thing because it shows that Guild Wars is truly a skill-based game, and if you can survive with zero defense, um, then it shows that you're entirely reliant on your own skill and the skill of your party members to keep you alive. Um, so not necessarily something I agree with, but some very interesting discussion that I think is worth reading if that is your cup of tea. That's cast cast. That's cats. Yep. Oh my god. I'm so tired. You guys tired? I'm tired. A little bit. It's been a long day. It's, it's been a long o'clock. day and it's still early. The whole day is out I'm of tired day. of waiting for expansions. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Hi, oh. Uh, okay. Uh, also, we have a mailbag um, from Edward Orr about Fustival, which I will append to the end of this uh, the end of this episode. So give that a listen. I need to I actually uh, the UK is doing Fustival. Ed's going to talk all about it in a minute, but I want to give my endorsement because Fustival. I've been involved with uh, last year with the organization. I'm going to get in touch with them this year and try and get relics involved a little bit, but it's not going to be much. Uh, that aside. It's a really great event, and these people pour so much time and energy and love into creating a really great in-person Guild Wars event for all these people. And I've worked with, I've worked with Tasha. I've worked with um, the Festival was originally a French organization, I believe. I worked with them. I've worked with uh, different people on healing over time, and I strongly, strongly, strongly recommend if you can go. Uh, do because it is so well organized and so much care goes into it that it just has the highest of highest endorsements that I can give it and definitely definitely check it out 
Okay, with that, I think we're going to sign off from this extra long podcast. Although, hilariously enough, this is actually not going to be much more than 10 or 15 minutes longer than our last week's podcast, even though, despite the fact that we're talking about a freaking expansion. Um, but, anyway, uh, I think with that, we're signing off. Thank you for listening, and we will be back next week. Hi, everyone. It's Greenager from over in the EU. I'm currently giving you a quick voicemail message just to tell you a bit about a project myself and some of my more nefarious colleagues are working on over here in England. If you've not heard of it, we are part of a team that are running a Guild Wars 2 fan day across Europe. It's called the Festival. Yep, it's got a quagging theme in it. Um, and we're running the first UK-based Festival on the 21st of March, and it's going to be here in London. If any of you are interested, head on over to en.festival.com. We're going to spend the 21st of March getting to know other Guild Wars 2 players, having fun learning a bit about the game that we didn't necessarily know, hopefully winning some awesome prizes, and going away with a few new party members for a group. Again, if you're interested, then the link is en.festival.com, and if you give it a shout-out on Relics of War, we would be eternally grateful um, simply because you're so awesome. That was another episode of Relics of War. If you'd like to get involved, you can find us on any social networking site such as Facebook, Twitter, Steam, and many more just by looking up Relics of War. That's Relics of O-R-R. Similarly, if you'd like to send us mail, you can send that to relicsoforr at gmail.com or go to our website, relicsofor.com where you can record right there on the front page using our WordPress widget to put on a headset and give us your feedback. Or if you feel more comfortable with it, you can go ahead and just record the audio and send it to us as an OGG or an MP3 file. If you'd like to join us in-game, send a whisper to Cole, C-O-E-H-L, and Nexi, A-N-E-K-S-I, C-Squirrel Run, that's a C, and then Squirrel, and then Run, or Spirit Face to get in contact with us or join the guild. Last, we always love the comments, so if you want to go to our main site and start commenting on some of the posts that we've got or join our forums, you can have fun with that. If you listen to us on iTunes, you can find our page on the market and just leave a comment or a rating that you feel that we deserve. We appreciate that. We'll read them on the show.